Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for those who have not seen me face to face. So here we find Paul had not yet met the believers at Colossae or the church of Laodicea. This new church that started up when Epaphras brought the gospel to them was a group that undoubtedly heard of Paul and listened to Epaphras recite Paul's teachings. And Paul's struggle for this church was the same struggle that many churches have when they send out a team to plant a church in a new place, even in our modern times. We keep tabs on a church that started from a person from our church who received God's call to go and start up a new church somewhere. And we want them to be successful in sharing the gospel and bringing people to Christ. But the reality is that church plants can die as fast as they are started for a number of reasons. And Paul knew very well the challenges with steering a new church in the right direction in the midst of false teaching, contentions, know-it-alls, Judaizers, and not to mention the spiritual attacks upon the believers from the powers of darkness. Verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ. Encouragement is a huge part of any organization. The discouragement that naturally arises because of the normal grind, if it's left unchecked, it can ruin the heart of a group. And I saw this in the military, I saw it in law enforcement, I saw it when I worked in high school, also in our own families. And fathers can be a good source of encouragement to our wives and children, as mothers can be to their husbands and children as well. And as the kids grow, they can do the same for the parents if we teach and model the need for encouraging one another. In Acts 4.36, it says, Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus. And Barnabas was Paul's traveling companion, and God put alongside Paul a son of encouragement. Why? Because Paul needed encouragement just like we do. And the Greek word translated encouragement here is also used in Romans 12, where it is translated as exhortation. In Romans 12, Paul is describing the supernatural gifts that some believers possess to build up the body of Christ. And it says in Romans 12, 8, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. In other words, use your gift according to the way he's directing you. And the point is that there are some people who have this gift to encourage others. I have this gift, and the reason I know I do is that when it's needed in a situation, God just plants something in my mind that I need to either say or do, resulting in a person in need of encouragement being lifted up. And many times, I don't even know what I said, but the person will perk up and say something like, you know, hey, that was encouraging. And I believe this is a supernatural or spiritual gift. It's not a natural tendency. And there are some who are naturally encouraging. I'm not saying that's not the case. For me, however, Part of the body of Christ is God has given me this gift to encourage others. I'm not naturally encouraging. I'm quite the opposite. I pick apart things pretty quick and point out everything bad that's going on. That's my natural tendency. It's to be critical, not encouraging. But God often flips a person's behavior so that that person understands it's God doing the work and God gets the glory. So oftentimes he'll take our pendulum and swing it back all the way another way And people are like, why are you doing that? It's like, oh, that's what God did. And they can see it. Paul's great struggle was knowing how much these believers needed encouragement because of the battles that they were and would face as children of God who are learning more and more about Jesus. So as they grew in Christ and matured as believers, they would understand the assurance of their relationship in Christ, which is something that we all need to pursue, that assurance in Christ. 
Because it's a mystery, especially to those believers during this time. Christ is now revealed, the hidden truth now made known. And and Jesus is not so much a mystery to us because we've grown up knowing him and we have 2,000 years of Christian history to learn from both the good and the bad. But back then, this was all new. Verse 3, talking about that mystery, which is in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Psalm 111, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who practice it have good understanding. His praise endures forever. Proverbs 4, 7, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. So our job is to act upon our faith, not simply to sit and wait until Jesus does something cool. We are to be pursuing him and his will for our lives. When we ask according to his will, he hears us. So a good way of ensuring our prayers are heard is to first ask ourselves if the thing that I am asking for is something that I am confident the Lord will agree to. We know that he will hear us, so now we should begin crafting our prayers around what pleases him. And that's a much better way to pray than simply asking for something that pleases me alone. But there are times when I still ask the Lord if I can have something because I simply want it. And I let it go, and in time, the Lord will either give it to me or show me that it's not what he wants in my life. And although I may be irritated that I didn't get my way, I still know that the Lord's will is more important than my will, so I retain my peace. Verse 4, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. I like this verse that's translated in the Old King James better. makes more sense to me. It says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. And the Greek word for beguile is translated deceived in James 1.22, where it says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So understanding and the knowledge of Christ are two things that we can pursue to defend ourselves from deception and find those hidden treasures. And this means we actually need to pursue Jesus, not simply listening to a Bible study, but actually come to him to receive mercy and grace. And in Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And this again requires action on our part. In the next chapter, Paul will instruct these believers to put off the old person and put on the new. And that's our job. We receive salvation by grace, but we're required to be active in pursuing and obeying Jesus in his word. Verse 5, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. So writing to the church at Corinth, Paul, serving as one with authority, pronounces judgment on a person in their church who was living a wicked lifestyle, which was ignored by the church. And he says in 1 Corinthians 5, 3, For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And if present, I've already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. So he uses the same principle of being united with believers in spirit. When spirit-filled believers are gathered together from all walks of life, different churches, cultures, different countries, everything, There is one spirit which unites us all. And in a religious sense, this sounds hypothetical, but realistically, it's a reality. And sadly, it's experienced by only a few believers. The reality is that spirit-filled believers hear from the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will never contradict himself nor the scriptures. So we can expect the gathering to be a time of hearing from God. And sometimes what the